Because, you know, all right. <laughs> <laughs> he, all right, all right, he looks right, like we'll a gender neutral hamburger. We're going to go. Doesn't anybody see this? What? It's a gender neutral hamburger. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Invite the Party Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy. <laughs> I was going to say, so I was thinking of what Dave said, hamburger, and I couldn't. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> oh my god! Just get it, get it out of your system. <laughs> give us a, give us a cisgendered robble robble. I was gonna say my then, three hamburgers. Can... <laughs> <laughs> it's never this hard. Now I got like the the laugh where it's like stuck in me. Uh huh. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Invite to Party podcast. <laughs> Who laughed? <laughs> because you can't handle, you can't handle yourself. Come yeah. on! He's not even looking at the screen because he doesn't want to see our faces. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Invite to Party podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy. I am joined by my three boys, Dave, Ray, and Brian, as well as a special guest. Um, if you guys want to introduce yourself real quick, little homies. Hey, I'm Dave. I'm Brian. I'm the one with the beard. Uh, I'm Ray. I'm the one not with the beard or hat. So if we're playing Clue, I don't have a beard or a hat. Okay. That would be Guess Who. Guess speaking Who. Of, yeah. Speaking hey. of Guess Who, I'm special guest. <laughs> this is uh, this is Mr. James. He's going to be yes. joining us on this episode today to help answer Ray's Professor Ways. Professor Ways, sorry, <laughs> Professor. <laughs> God damn it, Professor Ray's uh, question later in the podcast. Um, James, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, things you like to do. Well, I didn't. I, I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know that Ray was a professor. Congratulations, dude! I know everybody's been doing different stuff since quarantine, but I didn't. Uh, yep, yep. Wasn't I aware. Have, uh, um, I have elevated my standing in life. Good man. Uh, yeah, so full name is James Kirk. That is my actual name. Uh, some of you may know me as Cap from the Cap and Tun show, uh, yeah. where Ray was Tun. Uh, so it took a while, but here we are back together again for an episode of stuff. Um, yeah, so I am a, a general uh, gamer, nerd culture person. Um, I've been doing RPGs and tabletop games since I was like six years old. Um, and, uh, uh, I do play video games, but my main, my main forte is, is tabletop gaming. Um, and, uh, I help, uh, a local organization called the Bodana Group run tabletop gaming for skill building and adjunct therapy usage. Um, hmm. currently running four weekly groups right now. Um, just doing different types of RPGs and working on, you know, social skills and, and crisis management and critical thinking skills and processing and all sorts of other stuff. So is there a website for that? Yeah, uh, it's uh, www.thebodanagroup.org, B-O-D-H-A-N-A group.org. I can add a link to that in the description as well. Cool. Sounds really cool. Thank you. Uh, it, it is really cool. I concur. You guys are both in that, correct? They have we previously volunteered, volunteered, yeah. And they do Save Against Fear? Is that, you guys do that? Save Against Fear is our annual um, convention slash 
fundraiser for the organization uh, last year was all virtual. This year, we are still kind of feeling out whether it's going to be all virtual or whether we're going to be able to go live here in York. Um, but either way, yes, it's a yearly convention. It's uh, uh, four days of gaming and also um, various you know panels. And we do have professional trainings uh, that we offer to other therapists and human service professionals. Um, we do have trainings that are available for CE credits. Um, which a lot of educators and professionals need. Um, and we also act as uh, mentors and uh, resource development for people that want to develop their own board game programs with their services. And we advise those types of things. Hmm. Sick. As well as weekly Making Sunday the webinars. There you Man. go. Making the world a better place. <laughs> yep. One dice roll at a time. You can keep no. that. You're welcome. Journey of a um, thousand steps starts with a single roll. Oh, that's See? that's way better. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been doing this for a while, Jeremy, so don't beat yourself up. <laughs> All right. That's uh that's our boy James. And that wait, James Kirk, that's uh Captain Kirk. Kirk? Yeah, from the Look Star Trek. From right, the Star Trek. The I infant got like the guess. Like I like it. Patting me on the head. Yeah, there you go. Good job. I, I was go. waiting for him to say war there. I was just Star. Oh. That's Luke's dad's name, right? Uh James Kirk Walker. Yep. <laughs> All right. Um we're gonna have to make this WandaVision win it, like an actual win it. Not like sure. a couple win it's but like one. Sure. On the episode that blows up exponentially. I know. I know. We're gonna uh, that's that's the other thing. Oh man. Or maybe I can just cut out some stuff. Just the one minute for a BTS. I think because we're all going to have like, I feel like similar opinions on it. um, Because obviously it's pretty. But um, if you're listening right now, we're going to do like spoilers basically immediately. Uh, So if you haven't watched the episode, what are you doing? Go watch it, you crazy person. Um, It's really good. You will definitely not be annoyed that you spent like two hours catching up to watch this if you haven't even started the series yet. But highly recommend, especially if you love Marvel movies. Um, so we're going to start spoiling the most recent episode, episode four of WandaVision. I almost said WandaVision. Uh, we're going to spoil it starting right now. Holy crap. Uh huh. Like, like, I love how they mixed, like, it finally feels like it's tied to the rest of the universe and just the way that they had like the people coming back right at the beginning. I was like, it felt like, like, uh, bigger than the show. Like it finally, Uh uh, I don't know. Like it feels Uh like part of the universe. It felt like a movie. Yeah, it was super cinematic. It's I don't remember the last time I felt like even at the Mandalorian, I didn't feel like this hype or like, wow, this is wild. Like, has this ever even happened before? Like a show that was like felt like on par with the movie series it's based on. Like, I feel like they're Agents of Shield. Agents of Shield tried to do it a couple of times. Yeah, Yeah, didn't succeed. Uh, Yeah, yeah, no. And they they did it in this one episode. They're in the same universe, but it's just okay. This felt like. Like the idea like that this one episode, movies. this one episode, episode four, is the 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 reverse of the mirror. It's the other side of the mirror that we're seeing for the first three episodes inside, literally, Wandavision. Um, mm-hmm. The callbacks to every detail in every episode was amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. The hand at the end of the first episode is Darcy's, mm-hmm. where the music That's implies cool. it's something sinister. 
the mm-hmm. drone turning into the helicopter. Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, obviously, Wu on the radio. By the way, Agent Wu's the best. I'm yep. just throwing it out there now. Yep. It's the fact great, that he learned guy. the close-up magic that he wanted yeah. to from yeah. Scott to show his business card. <laughs> I, 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 was like, I was like, that's my man right there. That's um, so cool. Uh, and the fact that Darcy's not under anybody's wing anymore, and she's not as annoying as she was in the first two Thor movies, that was and great. incredibly competent. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, like, yeah, yeah. Is she from the, any comics or anything like that? Is she based Darcy, on character? No. no. Okay, so she's like fresh. Okay, I was just wondering if like she's going to yeah. be a superhero or whatever in the future. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, this is actually Pygmy Girl or whatever. Um, I know the movies don't make you feel that way, but there are some characters that will not get superpowers. Uh. There were a couple of things that popped up for me. I don't know if you guys noticed. Um, obviously, Wanda's red energy, whatever she touches, right, is um, I'm thinking part of the reality stone. Like once she got that connection with vision through the actual mind stone, she tapped into the rest of the infinity stones, which is why I think she's got this huge pa- ramped up power now. Uh-huh. Um, also, yeah, also, uh, I, Liz brought this up, um, during the episode, it appears that she might actually have Vision's carcass animated around. Yes. Yeah. That was creepy. Me and Dave talked about that. I, I talked to Steph about that, um, after the second episode, because we're seeing all of these people and I'm like, these people can't be constructs. Like, and then one girl was like, because, because we're, my, or because the guy my was thought, like, we're, my thought was that her powers come from the mind stone. So she doesn't like, I kind of thought the opposite. Like I know the, the red bit, um, because she's always had the red bit, like her powers have always had that red tinge to it. So I didn't think about it, like tapping into the, to the reality stone, because at that point she hadn't melded, you know, with, with vision, um, so, you know, I'm like, she doesn't have the reality stone. She can't just whip up people like this. Like, she affects minds, and she can alter the perception around her. I'm like, so, I wonder if all these people are, like, mind-controlled. I'm like, oh, my God. If Vision's there. Oh. Yep. You know, and then two, I, and then two uh, episodes later, uh, she sees it. I'm like, "Oh my god, holy shit! Oh, they, that was oh, they did it!" I was Which, like, "Oh, yeah." I think that that to a certain extent that she has to have reality manipulating powers at this point, mm-hmm. um, only because when Monica Rambeau gets thrown back out, she's still wearing the '70s clothes. Mm-hmm. So at that point, oh, yeah. it's not perception; it's She's so, in the real some of world. It is. Yeah. So, I think it's a mix of all the things together. You're right. I, yeah, I, I don't what if what if this is what's going on and 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 for the children, uh we all assume is the you know, for Wanda to bring these two lives into right. the world and have two kids, right? <clears throat> what if like we were talking before with uh um you know, uh, Agatha and uh, uh, Mephisto. Uh, what if she's made a deal with Mephisto to bring these two souls into the world for him in return for two souls that she desperately wants back, which is Vision, Vision and, Quicksilver. and Quicksilver and Pietro. Yeah, yeah. What? that's a that's so, a good theory, sir. So, that is a good theory. Oh so he gives her the power to manipulate reality. 
in order to make that happen because he wants these two born into the universe perhaps i don't know and again ultimate, this could be way off no 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 <laughs> I, that. actually that's that yeah so that's cool, actually dude. really solid and ultimately like this show in in like a deep dive is about somebody's uh, superpowered somebody going through and processing grief that grief, they yeah. don't want to deal with right right so this this whole thing is a psychological study of what happens when somebody's grief overtakes them right so mm -hmm. it, it is completely not outside of the realm that wanda may have been contacted by powers that she was not even aware of at this point and has gained additional abilities and at some point dr strange is gonna have to step in my man and <laughs> and and fix all of this uh you know but uh yeah the fact that she's animating vision's corpse uh is creepy <sighs> um, that's horrific it you really know? brings gotta, you I, uh, like there, there's the, the one scene where the beds come together and then they cover up their their oh, heads with the blankets i didn't even think about that there's a little uh now, now, it granted, it's not a dead body. It's kind of like a vibrator a machine. without its, it's batteries. Poster. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, we all but... saw what happened when gum got into it. So <laughs> let's like. Um, my favorite part of this episode was actually the opening with Monica Rambeau. The we blip. have not, we have not oh, yeah. on screen in any MCU thing because we were at the end of this. We have yet to see on screen what happened after the avengers flip the the blip and and bring everybody back and we know they came a little back. Bit. yeah yeah and spider-man he did a little bit spider-man a little bit back. but this was for like, this purposes was, though yeah this yeah, was the this, chaos right. that would ensue in a hospital when people just aren't appearing back in there yeah like dude it's running insane. around like i i can't i have to call my wife you know what i mean like just lost and and the 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 not the not knowing and then having to process that five years has gone by right. in um, the blink of your eye. Yeah. Because I, she I, didn't have any time pass by for, I internally faced Palm because I, I made a, I, I made a rookie mistake. This is Bush league for me. Um, but watching these first couple of WandaVision episodes, I was trying to figure out why they casted a new actress to play Maria Rambeau. <laughs> right. Because, it didn't occur to me until this episode and my brain very quickly went, no dumbass. Um, Captain Marvel took place in the 1990s. So Monica Rambeau was a child at the time. No, this is five not. years. This is five years post snap. It's 2020. Of course, she's a grown adult <laughs> at this point. Like this lady has been Maria Rambeau's daughter, Monica Rambeau. And I'm like, why? How did I not? Oh my god, I'm so stupid. Bush League, like, man. Bush League, I'm just saying. It's terrible. It was terrible. It was terrible. And I have no problem talking about the embarrassing things and mistakes that I make along the way. It's fine. Um, but uh yeah, that was my that was my dumb moment uh of the week was not putting all of that together till now. One thing as a uh, like a casual fan who doesn't know anything about anything. Uh, but like when you guys were talking about how Wanda is like super powerful, like crazy powerful, but we haven't really seen as much in the movies except for like that one scene with um, Thanos where she like deflects him and he's like, the fuck? What? 
But uh, no. you kind of get the feeling watching the show now, especially with like when uh, she's like threatening Monica Rambo, where like you're like, whoa, she's kind of like you feel like the dark energy or like dark power. Like is she like she seems not unhinged, but like that she could like flip a switch and just like yep. go evil, which is like, how the turn- whole Marvel universe feels about her. Like they're yeah, they walk so, yeah, on, they, on eggshells. Yeah, yeah that's what I was reminded yeah. of. Yeah, I was like, in oh, the yeah, comics, she's talking. in the Omega Omega level. Um, yeah. Yeah, she's she has the ability to just say no more you don't exist. <laughs> yeah. You I don't like you. You don't exist anymore. Period. Yeah, All right. Yeah, she can't she can't um she can't create um stuff. She can only manipulate stuff. As you like in the first episode, like when they were trying to get the dinner together, like she could manipulate the oh, uh, yeah. was it mm-hmm. the the turkey or the chicken or whatever. Um but she couldn't create a whole meal because mm-hmm. she could have just done that, but she didn't. She couldn't. Which I, I actually saw as them, uh, which I thought was a really neat metaphor for them to, since she's like one of the central characters here, to really kind of introduce the audience to her limits oh, by showing yeah. like through That's the meal, thinking. like just simply through the meal, like, oh, okay. Like she can't, she can't just make a meal appear out of nothing. She's not, mm. I dream of genie. Right, like even though we're emulating these shows, she's not, you know, bewitched. She's she's this other type of thing where she can just <coughs> manipulate the things around her as opposed to creating right. new. But that that was the first rules. episode. The second episode, she did start creating some stuff out of nowhere, like the rope that Vision's hanging from when he levitates. I figured that was like uh like an illusion almost. Like she just made it look like it to the audience. The- is it though? Because he he was actually floating, and then she like made it look like there was a rope. Like, but yeah, you're right. You could could be like actual. I I want to throw something out that you guys actually just dropped the thought in my head. All all of those of the the decades going by, uh, is a maturation of her powers, dealing with the fear that she has absolutely no control of what she can do. Starting with Civil War. Yeah, yeah. Uh, She's getting more and more control of her powers as the decades go on. Which is real damn scary now. <laughs> I can't. It, it, it just it just seemed that way. Now, that, like as soon Brian, as soon as you did that, something clicked in my head, and I'm seeing this progression. And uh, yeah, so I was I was very cool. Thank you. Cool. All right, I think we went past a minute, dude. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, this is uh, such a cool episode. I, I mean, it was a good episode for the rest of the so season. Yeah, I think it I think it deserves more than a minute. I like. I look forward to seeing what they do since we're like caught up in the. Uh, like the outside world per se, like it's both timelines are like caught up. So now they can like bounce between the two. Uh, the beekeepers, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, tether yeah. turned into a jump rope. <laughs> yeah, it was very cool. The old school jump rope. We had that. Was anybody else very quietly, maybe to themselves, sort of hoping that that guy was going to be swarmed? Uh, no, I, I just for random, like just for random purposes thrown in, like yeah, this weird, like that, uh, yeah, was, for no reason. The thought popped in my head for a minute, but but then it just. I I honestly thought it was going to be an AIM agent, like they were working yeah. with AIM. I thought that's that that's actually something that I can't figure out is why is her reality bubble actually the shape of a hexagon? The only oh, thing yeah. I can't figure out. Yeah, which because she uses because she path. uses. I I've taken it to mean that she uses hex magic. Yeah, that's oh, what that's I was going to say. Uh, 
that that's that's could it. be a callback. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that is. There could what be it? more to it, but I just very that was just because she uses Jeremy, hex bolts hex and hex spell. magic. And... Well, yeah, I know. Is there like some like? Yeah, it's a comic like, reference. That's what she calls it: hex magic. That, oh, that, okay. That's that is the powers. magic that uh, Agatha teaches Scarlet Witch, in addition to her like probability manipulating powers and stuff that she originally. Oh, had. so it's in addition to her other stuff. Yeah, like uh, sh- like actual magic, like Sabrina okay. the Teenage Witch type okay. magic, like Castell cool. type magic, okay. as opposed to just like you know occult Wiccan <laughs> stuff. Okay. Cool. Versus versus powers, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, obviously we're all excited to see where this goes. If you haven't watched it, well, uh, if you're listening now, you you watched it. So good on you. Those other guys who aren't listening right now suck. Um, don't forget the spoiler warning. Don't forget we didn't the, put that in there. Uh, oh, I thought you were gonna say don't forget to like and subscribe. Because um, like <laughs> I said, they suck. They didn't smash that subscribe button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I forgot to do it at the beginning. I just got so excited about hamburglers. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> all right. Usually that's, so that's the WandaVision. That's the one. <laughs> that's the WandaVision with it. Um, now it's time for the entire impetus between behind uh, getting James on. Professor Ray, doctor of internal combustion. <laughs> the doctor uh, of Professor what? Ray. Uh, what? I, I, I forget. Um then go for a doctor. He has a question for us today. Okay. For his segment, his perfurious postulations. I think is what we ended up calling it. Uh, it sounds like something you you diagnosed yourself with on IMD. Yeah, you put or, a salve uh, a on that. Med, I don't. Uh, what is that? Dr. Like Ray. WebMD. Yeah. 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 I don't put a salve on my question. Okay. Perfurious. Powder or whatever it is. Look, I I was just wondering because um, we've actually touched base on our opinions on pre-ordering right mm-hmm. um i would like to go into uh, uh pre-ordering video games versus kickstarting or crowdfunding other types of games okay um do the same ideas and hesitations and worries and concerns apply to both okay and obviously there's going to be follow-up questions to all of this stuff like uh jeremy on kickstarter uh, they have like bro shampoo that you really want, okay? But it's not manufactured yet, and it's mm-hmm. going to say it needs this crowdfunding to get it off the ground and go. How is that different than, let's say, somebody you know, you pre-ordering a game, okay? That's not done yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel you. Um, personally, I've never kickstarted anything ever. I've never given any money to any Kickstarter. Not because like I don't want to. I just I like reading about them mostly. Sure. Like I like following them. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That looks cool. But I've never felt strongly enough about something to be like, I'm going to get this even 10 bucks. Um, but I feel like the biggest difference for me when part of the reason why I like still pre-order stuff versus kickstarting is like kickstarting, there's n- usually there's nothing and they're not going to even be able to make something without the money. Whereas pre-ordering, like it doesn't matter. The game's going to come out like it's. Yeah, it's it's gonna come out, but you're just paying money yeah, ahead of yeah, time. Yeah, but there, there's been more than a handful of times in the past, even year, that pre-ordered games have been canceled at this point. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Like the environment, like the video game environment with pre-ordering, 
has completely changed at this point. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they're telling you to pre-order so you could get this invisible digital thing that might hang off your gun. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If the game comes out and by the way, delaying a game for more than, I don't know, a month or two months is a significant delay in the process. And at this point, mm-hmm. we've seen games that have been pre-ordered and have been delayed full years. Uh-huh. Halo Infinite, yeah, and, and still and still here. came out and still came out with oh, and nothing Cyberpunk. but bugs yeah. and trash and garbage. Um, so like Cyberpunk, yeah, and I, so yeah, and I was one of the people that ordered. I I I pre-ordered uh, Cyberpunk and mm-hmm. I uninstalled Same. it at this point. Because uh, I just, I, I just, I, I just can't play it, and I'm waiting for my. I'm again, I'm waiting to get my Series X console, uh, and then I'll play it, right? Um, so I don't trust video game companies anymore about pre-ordering. Um, I can see that. I think that there are too many games that, because of the nature of it being an electronic thing. They can get a game done and release a game and release an incomplete product with the idea that we're going to give you this day one patch that's going to do all of the things that we couldn't do so that we could get the game to production. And then we're going to continue to fix it and patch it over the next six to eight months. Right? Um, And then we never we never really feel like we have a complete game when we want to play it. I want to play your game when it comes out. I don't want to get your game, download it, play part of it, feel like I'm still missing something, and then wait for you to piecemeal this stuff to me over the next, like, six to eight months. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tabletop tabletop gaming and the reason that I I kickstart projects, one, a lot of the projects that I've kickstarted over the years have been from already established companies and a couple of third-party developers that I, and I'm, I'll be very honest, I personally know from working through Bodana and I've met these guys and I know what they do. So I don't have a problem kickstarting their projects. Kickstarters that I've funded, the Kickstarters, much like pre-ordering a game, if you get it at Best Buy, you get this extra stuff. Or you pre-order this digital edition and you get all of these extra costumes and things like that. Kickstarters say, this is how much we need to make our project happen. These are the reasons that we need your funding. And here are what are called stretch goals. So that as we get funding, if we hit these benchmarks, we will continue to, to add new stuff. Yeah, the money's not just going to us. It's actually going to the project that you're funding, which I find right. very, very interesting. Um, a lot of the stuff that that people want to do with their games, they can't afford to do. Kickstarter gives them a platform where we have figured out how much this is going to cost us to bring you everything we want to bring you. And it allows the consumers to then speak with their wallets to say, yes, I would like all of those things that you would like to make. The downside with Kickstarter is that sometimes, depending on production time and getting things to print and you know, these days shipping, uh, you know, both overseas and domestic, um, I, I can give you an example. I, I kickstarted a project called Shadows Over Brims or Shadows of Brimstone. It is a massive uh, miniatures um, uh, Wild West survival horror board game. 
That sounds awesome. I got, I got mm-hmm. it's amazing. It's yeah, amazing. It's, awesome. it's it's a it's a persistent campaign, so your guys level up like the characters and stuff that you play. Um so I got the two basically the two base sets and a couple of the extras, but there was this mountain of stretch goals that I didn't receive. So they keep sending updates via email and they send updates to every one of their backers. And they're like, this is where we are in the process. Or if there's delays, this is what's happening. The good companies will do that. So this company didn't. didn't. And I was about to make this a very bad story until about five months ago, randomly, this gigantic heavy as hell box showed up at my front door and it was the other 120 minis extra adventure packs extra uh my my like set of dice uh you know extra cards more classes all basically basically everything everything that they promised me showed up up. yeah right Right? i'm not a fan of the lack of 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 communication and i would i would put that as a knock on uh leaping frog studios but they got me everything that I that I asked for that I ordered. Every Kickstarter, every Kickstarter that I've done has done that. Let, let, let me let jump me in jump here in for a second. Though. Sure. I think I yeah. know this one. Because yeah. I, I have a little story about <laughs> a little oh, game he came prepared. called <laughs> Evil Dead 2. Yep. Now, as you can see, I have Evil Dead 2 here. I kickstarted this game from Space Goat Studios, which was a reputable Space. play. They they made like graphic novels for Evil Dead. They held yeah. the license, and uh, everything was on the up and up. And uh, yeah, I, I went all in on this baby because I, I felt groovy. You know, I, I wanted to hail it to the king all day. You know? Nice. I wanted I, I wanted to have that sweet chin sticking out, taking out deadites all all night long. And I, 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 I went in on to the tune of about three hundred bucks all in, all the card sleeves, the, the cabin dice, the this, the that, the other thing, all in. Um I I I didn't get the game. It never shipped. The guy took the money and ran. Um The only reason that I have this physical copy of a game here is because Jasco Studios stepped in bought what little that uh, they had uh, actually produced got the license and made a sweetheart campaign where for every one that was ordered through their kickstarter they would send one of the original backers a copy of the game now wow at the end of the day like i this is no knock on jasco because they at least i got something and that was really nice of them they didn't have to do that i could have just lost my money but I got what amounts to a sixty dollar board game for three hundred dollars. Three hundred dollars, yeah. Um, and and that is again, like I said, it's not uh, Lindvander Studios um, or or Jasco Games that that's the fault of. It's one hundred percent Space Goat, and I believe the guy's name Sean Burry. Um, they did. Well, they were nice enough to add an extras pack, which had some of the uh, original. Uh, bonus content, uh, but again, this was all stuff that was just in the regular version of the game. I went all in with a fully painted version of the game. Uh, 
yeah, with all the the bells and whistles and extra stuff that just didn't even get made. So, Damn. this is what I now, have. Would you would you say because you and I kickstart a fair amount of things? Yeah. Um, would you say that that is the minority of your experience or the majority of your experience? Uh, I I think that it's the minority by far. Uh, as far as uh, Kickstarters that never fund or that fund extremely late or something like that. Right. Um, the problem with Kickstarter is it, it's not a pre-order. It's a gamble. And they tell you that right on their, their website. Basically, what that means, though, is that Kickstarter is going to get their 10% or whatever of the Kickstarter. Sure. And they don't give they don't a do crap if you get your stuff or not. That's where their responsibility begins and ends. They're a social media platform to bring people together to say, here's my money and take their cut. They have no responsibility outside of that to make sure that like anything happens. Um, So I don't, I don't condone that kind of business. It's just unfortunate that Kickstarter is the only way that we can, we can get some of these games. Um, uh, here, here's my problems with Kickstarter. Even though I, I, I do use it, it's it's kind of a necessary evil if you're in the tabletop gaming industry uh, or a fan. Um, uh, exclusives that, if you don't have them, make the game nigh unplayable, like Ghostbusters with Cryptozoic. If you didn't get the Kickstarter version of the game, you didn't get Gozer <coughs> or Terror Dogs. The what? two bosses yeah. of... Ghostbusters, you don't get in that game. Partially, partially, and and really, it's the fault of the company. It's the company trying to. It's the company trying to front load their pockets by having these what they call extras, but they won't come out and tell you. It by the way, if you don't get this game through Kickstarter, we're not releasing these other things that we're making campaigns for in the game that you won't be able to play because you don't have the figures or the stats but right. you should totally buy our game so the 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 problem that i the, the biggest problem that i have with kickstarter though by far like i i, I love my exclusives and stuff and I, like that, that's great but then there's the brick and mortar stores instead of going through a wholesaler and into a, a retailer to sell this game, you're skipping all that, and the company that's making the game is going directly to retail. So they're not selling it to a wholesaler for this much money. You know what I mean? They're selling it retail for all the whole the whole kit mm-hmm. caboodle. They're getting yep. the whole dollar amount as if they if as if they had a brick and mortar store, which cuts out your wholesalers and cuts out your more importantly your retailers. Um, because they they might have a, a retailer pledge, you know what I mean, in the Kickstarter. But that's that's expecting a game store to have that much money up front, not going through their distributor where they have accounts and everything. And, and, not, and not getting it for like four to six months or right. something like that. And then it's yeah. just dead inventory. It's dead money that they can't do anything with. It's not sitting on their shelf to be sold to make them money. It's just it, it's it's an escrow. You know what I mean? It's it's waiting. So I, there, there's certain inherent problems with the Kickstarter um, the, the platform that, that I have a real problem with when it comes to these games. I, I, I want to have all those co- kind of cool exclusives and have these companies able to do these things. But I think the problem that's really breaking the bank for a lot of these brick-and-mortar stores is uh, 
the what am I trying to say here? Uh, I, I I think that uh, you're gonna have to cut this out because I just had a party. <laughs> oh, that's uh, but, um, <laughs> Damn it! Now you you really need more. There's now, Dave um, blown a gasket. Yeah, uh, I I I oh god. Take a breath. Yeah, I just broke. I broke. Count to five. You're good. This is why we can't do this live. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? I, I, the 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 real problem with it is, um, you you can't get those exclusives into the into the stores. And uh, actually, no. the The real problem is that there's companies that that are established, that are out there that are already that already have the means to to make these games and go the normal route. You're you're cool mini or not. You're uh. You know, and now probably Jasco is probably getting to that point now that they that they're coming out the the Street Fighter game finally, finally. the Street Fighter Two. Oh yeah, uh, because uh, they're gonna they're gonna blow that up into now Mortal Kombat and all the other licenses that they have for that. Uh, but you have these established companies, uh, Cryptozoic even does it, uh, that that don't need these avenues, that are still utilizing them because they can go right to retail and uh, and widen the profit margin. But they're cutting out people like Brian. Who runs Comic Store West? You know what I mean. Uh, who even if they get that retailer, they're still feeding that that same engine, the engine that is eventually going to screw them because somebody else is going to try and get those exclusives through Kickstarter, taking money out of his pocket when he's the guy who's on the boots on the ground, teaching people how to play these games or giving them a venue in which to come together to play these games. You know what I mean. So, so I think there's a definitely a, a, a necessary evil. To the Kickstarter, but it but it, it hurts every time I do it. So like with, was, with Gloomhaven, yeah, you know, is a yeah, perfect with, example. Well, I I will say for for Gloomhaven uh, with Cephalo Fair Games, I think the reason that they did this originally as a Kickstarter is the same reason that and an example that I have AEG Games, right? AEG Games produced a board game called Edge of Darkness. It's a fantastic, like, I can't say enough nice things about this game. But I had to buy Edge of Darkness because I missed the Kickstarter. I had to buy Edge of Darkness directly from AEG at Gen Con, where they brought the extra copies of the Kickstarter edition that they made. Yeah. I, I, speaking to one of the designers of the game, they did not offer it outside of Kickstarter because the game itself is too expensive to make to go to retail to have a what would be considered a suitable consumer price. Correct. That happens they to would, a lot of, they would of these gouge large board games too. The shit out of people to produce this game massively. So they did it on Kickstarter because if you wanted this game and if you wanted the components, you were going to front the money for it and then you're paying the designer to do it, whereas they didn't bring it commercially because it was going to be too expensive for consumers to buy. Yeah, I, I'm all there for are that. Some, there are some games, and I think Gloomhaven is one of them for Cephalo Fair, where in the beginning, I don't think Isaac Childress really thought that this game was going to amount to the smash worldwide blockbuster I, hit that it did and and that actually turned retailers around there because now you can get gloomhaven at walmart with a huge price point but it's never it never stays on the shelf anymore 
because of the popularity uh, of the I, game. I misspoke. What I meant was Frosthaven when I said that. They didn't have to do the next one through Kickstarter. They already have a proven distribution. They, they have a proven, you know, uh, amount of guaranteed sales that they're going to have. You know, even if they print the first print was three quarters of what they sold of Gloom, there's, they're going to sell that at Frosthaven for sure. Uh, sure. You know, almost every group that we all know is already ordered their their Frosthaven, right? But they've done it through the Kickstarter. Because I helped, I helped kickstart three copies of that game personally uh, among the different groups that I played right. Moonhaven with. Right so, so, so is my, like, but my other point is, I agree with you on certain games. Batman, the City Chron- Gotham City Chronicles, not going to retail at all. The only way that you're going to get that is through the Kickstarter. Uh, hate, only way you can get it is through the Kickstarter. You're not going to get it at a retail store. Those things I'm fine with. It's it's and those are the games that are those gross, like stupid high level, like you'd have to pay a grand in retail for it. I agree 100 percent with those uh, uh, because those are very very high end designer collectible board games that that are only available directly from the the people that make them. But then then you also have you know people that like like cool men or not that are on their 50th kickstarter for another arcadia quest you know what i mean yep that are continuing to to screw the 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 you know normal retail chains because then here comes the the regular edition out and they sit on the shelves because everybody already has their kickstarter edition you know what i mean so like a lot of things that show up on kickstarter a lot of the retailers don't carry even the base game anymore because they're not going to sell them. They're not going to move. Because people are going to be like, hey, does this have the thing with the you know, soda pop in it and the thing and the stuff? No. And they're like, no, this is the retail version. And I don't disagree with any of this. But yeah. I, do think, I do think that the online market <clears throat> is not like I've, I've come around on it. I was a grumpy, curmudgeon bastard for years when it came to this stuff i wasn't going to read a book unless i was physically holding the copy i wasn't going to buy a game unless i physically got the disc i wasn't going to get a movie unless i physically had the disc i i do almost all of my transactions download and digital now it's it's just the Uh, way that that things work i I don't go to stores anymore you know yeah and i don't either it's Uh, unfortunately the difference because the 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 brick and mortar store for this type of stuff, the 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 board game, it's what's going to keep the board game industry going. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of small groups out there, but in order to get new people into this hobby, people that never have thought about getting a board game, you need a place they can go where they can try out, put on the training wheels. Hey, what's Corcazone? Or, or you know, new people? Yes. And I know this because part of my profession is getting new people right. into, into these types of games. I, I completely agree with that. We also bring games to uh, libraries and public parks and other public places that people can play. And I'm not, I'm not saying that brick and mortar stores are, you know, need to, you know, like get with the times or whatever else, but there are other avenues like game table cafes. Um, that are popping up more and more and are becoming more prevalent. There are going which to be... half of their stuff is the sales of board games, though it's not just the location to play. What do you What are you going to do? It's capitalism, man. 
Yeah. The, Kickstarter, Kickstarter was not originally intended to be for these large box companies, for that these massive exactly companies to point. use. But because Kickstarter was designed with that whole, we're hands off, we are just the platform for people to meet and be able to congregate. Once these other companies started realizing, instead of putting our own money up mm-hmm. to gamble on making these games, like CD Projekt Red has completely like shit the bed at this point, right? Like their their reputation has taken damage, right? Now, if you had told them that they could crowdfund this game instead of them putting all their own money up, up front on this game that they they promised was going to completely revolutionize everything, right? And it was going to be the next step in in uh, uh, action, you know, adventure RPG video gaming, and it was going to do all of these crazy things. And you told CD Projekt Red that instead of putting up their own money to do it, they could just go to the fans and people that had played Witcher 3 that implicitly trusted these people and said, give us the money to make this game. Or go ahead and do it internally within your own company. Which one do you think uh, you're going to take? I, I don't disagree. Yeah. What I'm saying, though, is that because we've given them that out and we're supporting mm-hmm. it with our wallets, we have people like Brian who have a local business that is trying to build a community of board gamers suffering. It's because, uh, you know what I mean? Like I said, it's a necessary evil. But yeah. I don't agree with it. I think that... By not supporting our local stores, we're 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 taking away a venue where we can meet new players. Yeah, but every time, if it wasn't for Comic Store West, I wouldn't know you guys. Uh, yeah, but at the you same time, every like, time we digitally download something on any type of store, it cuts out the small business, including like no, no, uh, no, no. When get, I download a video game, I'm I'm screwing GameStop, which is doing just fine. That's not true because we have we have ready we have ready or not here where they sell physical. They you know, sell they sell stuff that like, they're resellers of, of, of like they're more of a pawn shop and and I still frequent that. I I, I get that, but they also sell new consoles and games well and new controllers. Like their selection might not be the best or the greatest, but you know, do you download it right now and have it ready by the time you get off work? Today? Yeah, but or but you're you... going there to buy a video game that you're either playing by yourself or playing online, correct? I, yeah. There's no like I, I I so their business model is is predicated on a product that you only play by yourself, sure, or play online, uh-huh. versus a comic slash board oh, okay. gaming shop that has that that their product is predicated on a, a a product that brings people together in person for sure. a place to come together in person. Do you see the, the difference between those two business models and, and what okay, you're selling? Okay, but by but by that rationale, I shouldn't be using tabletop simulator either. I don't use tabletop simulator. Right, but you see what I mean. Like it's basically the same the same thing. If I'm if I got tabletop uh, simulator, but then I got a free mod of Marvel Champions, which I I, I use right now because I can't play with my man Ray, uh, you know, to 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 smash bad guys. Um, I'm not getting any of that stuff from a retailer i paid do you play with random people on tabletop simulator or do you play with people in your game group no i can i play with i play with friends i play with people i know right so you're you're basically 
taking your your normal group of people, right, and putting them online instead of at the store. But you would normally be at a house, but you're not meeting new people. Uh, you know what I mean? Like you're not going to board game night or Friday night magic or you know all those things that take place at the comic book store where people meet I new see. players to bring into the into that game group. No, so I, I get, don't think I it's the same thing. I, I think you're comparing apples to oranges with that analogy. Uh, you're using that as a way of uh, of getting around a quarantine, and that's you know acceptable. But what I'm saying is that the brick-and-mortar game store has always, historically and even to this day, been a place where people get to meet new players. Hey, you need that fifth person for your D&D game? There's a, there's a cork board down there at the, the comic book shop sure. that has, you know, looking for a player for fifth edition. We meet on Thursday nights at, at 7. You know, that kind of shit is what you're missing when you're taking away the, the retailer. And I, I like, we're never going to come to an agreement on, on this. I get that. Uh, I'm just a very big proponent of the local game store. I think right. it's important. I mean, I, I play hero clicks there. If it wasn't for the local game store, I would have nobody to play that with because if sure. you think I want to play hero clicks on tabletop simulator, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Instead of playing with my little plastic army so men in like, real life. So you're like recognizing the reality, but you're just, you're resentful of what, how things are like, you were, like is there a way to reconcile like kickstarters with a brick and mortar because it's not going to go they away try they try and I, I like i said it's a necessary it's never going to go away mm -hmm. i just i i, I, I feel bad because the the local brick and mortar store is not only receiving it on that end but these guys just said stuff like hey where can you get gloomhaven now walmart target you know what i mean so now yeah, they're, they're the big box stores because they've recognized that niche market I got Which is not niche anymore. So yeah, it used to be solely in that that game, the local right. brick and mortar game store, has now expanded into these big box stores that order at such a massive quantity that they get they usually get it for cheaper through the wholesaler. In, in fact, sometimes retailers like I've talked to at like conventions and stuff say that they'll go to the the, the retailer like Target to buy like say like a yeah X wing a box of X-Wing, a starter set, because their on-shelf price is cheaper than the wholesale price that they can get from their distributor. Correct. Tell me how screwed up that is. Well, So they'll buy the it there and put their markup on it at their store, hoping to wow. sell a couple of copies, here's because the markup's better than ordering it through their normal... That's crazy. You know what I mean? Now, so, now, here's the problem with all of this, is that while video games have been elevated for years now into a, a, a modern market, right? Mm -hmm. Um tabletop gaming rpgs was the first one completely not a nerd hobby anymore you can you can talk to uh, uh instagram influencers everybody knows what you're talking about whole bunch of hollywood stars televise their games literally mm -hmm. like this is no longer a nerd thing neither are board games anymore and that's mm -hmm. where the problem is it's no longer a niche market it's right. just right. a pop culture market and that's that's something that we have to deal with because libraries across the nation are stocking these big board games, these prestige games, right? Um, you have schools that have whole catalogs of things as well, and some classes use it to teach things. Hell, the Badana's whole purpose is the fact that <laughs> that right. tabletop gaming, you know, is is can work in our modern society to help you know, with, with different things out, like a lot yeah. of things, you know? So we're not talking about like this, this niche market anymore. We're looking yeah, at something yeah. larger than that. I don't think anybody here disagrees that games are designed and are inherently made to bring people together. 
social. Yeah. yeah. Like that's yeah. that's not that is not anywhere in dispute. Oh, I've always been all. the buy local guy anyway but, though. Like uh, you guys order a lot of your board games on like Cool Mini or not, right? Or I mean uh, Cool Stuff Inc. or uh you know miniature whatever. market Mini- miniature, miniature market, market things like right? that. Sure. And, and I buy 99% of the stuff that I either utilize in my hobbies or play with in my hobbies from my local store. And it does it cost me more? Yeah. But at the same time, I'm, you know, I'm supporting that, that store so that I have a venue to go to, to play, um, which you guys don't normally do. You guys are, are more of the, like I play within my select game group, you know, outside of conventions, save against fear or stuff to do with Bodana. But I'm saying when you guys want to game recreationally, you guys mainly play together. And I do that a lot too, but I also play like hero clicks where I might see sure. somebody I've never seen before walk in the door. You know what I mean? Like, or, or, you know, we have people coming from Baltimore or, you know, Philly or whatever. And I'm playing against mm-hmm. those guys. Like you guys don't play the like magic or, or those kind of games where, sure. you know, you have a weekly tournament when, or when I, when I played a collectible game, like when I played magic, the gathering, when I was a kid and I was in high school and I was coming to college, I, I, I worked at a local game shop. I worked at Golden Eagle Comics in, in Reading. Which I have been to to play Heroclix. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I ran our, at the time it was, uh, it was Tuesday Arena. Night Magic. Yeah. Tuesday, uh, it Tuesday, wasn't, Tuesday it Night wasn't, Arena. It wasn't Friday Night Magic. It was Tuesday Night Arena. Yeah. Um, so like I, I ran that stuff and I, I played Magic for years and I was at that store all the time. Yep. I am fortunate enough in my life to have so many people around me that play all of the games that I play that I don't have to get in my car and go to a store to play it where I can play it in the comfort of one of several different people's homes. And there is always a group of people that are looking to play those games. Oh, I agree. I am, I and am I, very, I'm in that very, same group. I am the minority. I am a vast minority of people that have that experience. And there is an absolute role for brick and mortar stores with, right. you know, within the, the realm of bringing gamers together and introducing games to a wide variety of people. Yeah. I also see a function for Kickstarter to be here because Kickstarter can do the same thing through uh, like content videos and how to plays and updates and all those other types of things. And the trade-off is that you are paying the company directly instead of the brick and mortar store. Right. And, and while there's no guarantee um, I have had, vast majority of my experiences have been nothing but positive you know going going through kickstarter and getting games that i i didn't have access to and you know i i know that you mentioned that you know like did you pay more for it yes i'm i'm a little more frugal i i will go where there's a cheaper price because i don't want to pay that kind of stuff because i you know i have i have a lot of uh I, i have a lot of responsibilities that i try to balance we all do you know, and and that's like I'll. I I get it. I, I I just I don't think that we value it the same way. Is what, what I'm getting at. I, I I ever since I was back in the day, you know, going to my local comic shop slash you know Magic the Gathering slash game store, which was the Encounter back when they had one in uh, East Stroudsburg, yep. uh, which has since closed down. Um, 
you know, I've always, it's always kind of been the local Mecca for coming together for, for my, uh, gaming needs in a community. So I always feel a very strong loyalty and attachment to making sure that they stay in business. Like through the quarantine weekly, I was throwing, you know, 20, 30, 40, whatever I could afford on a gift card to comic store West when they were shut down. I would call in with my credit card and I would throw another 20, 30 bucks on whatever I could afford just so that they had a revenue stream coming in during those days so that they they could pay their lease and stuff. And that's the stuff that kept them open. Um, I was just talking to Brian the other day and if it wasn't for the people like us that were doing that or um, ordering, like he, he started a delivery service. Hey, you know, if you have over X amount, $50, $100 or whatever it is worth of stuff that you need from the store, he'll drive it to your house. Um, which I didn't take part of cause I just didn't want to bother him to have to drive up here and stuff. But, um, like if, if it wasn't for that, they would have shut down. Uh, and now post quarantine, like lockdown quarantine, when they were allowed to reopen, um, he's now expanded his business to take over the Kempo karate studio next door, mm-hmm. who, uh, doubled the size of the store because so many people had helped out with that. And so many people are looking for that local game store experience and pushing for him like and, 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 and buying stuff at the store. Like the community really rallied behind him and he was able to like create a whole doubling of the store. So just to specifically to expand the play area from the little area in the back to a whole other store. Sure. Um, so yeah, that, those are the, 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 the wins that I look at the, 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 the happy stories that, you know, and not so much Kickstarter, but like just in general, big box stores. There's a lot of things going against these these guys right now. So uh, you know, I, I I love going over to Ray's house and playing some some you know Pathfinder, or, you know whatever else, or you know going over to your house and playing some Clank Incorporated, you know Legacy. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I will never not do that, but at the same time, I'm still going to support that store that that I I see leading to that. Because like I said, I wouldn't know you guys if it wasn't for actually i wouldn't know any of you but brian if it wasn't for that store because i met you guys there which led me to meet mike crick which led me to meet jeremy weaver here which led to this podcast all because that store exists roundabout so just just saying this sounds definitely sounds like a personal journey for you dave (laughs) i feel like uh, i do i feel like i'm a a pretty good target customer for like brick and mortar stuff because i'm like interested in this stuff but i don't really know that much about it i knew about gloomhaven because like i feel like if you even dip your toe in you've heard about it but i bought (laughs) that from amazon because like it came up first on google uh which is i feel like how most people do their shopping or or whatever like you know yeah um i mean it feels like such an insular community like i'm almost not intimidated but i'm like "Eh, i don't know if i would like fit in in there or whatever (laughs) like it seems like I don't know. Like, I know Dave's been, like, it'd be people like Dave, really cool people. But it just seems like, I don't know. Like, like I want to do that kind of stuff. Like, go to a game shop and play or whatever. But I just, like, do I don't know. The yeah. best also, way, I don't know the any, best way like, to do it. The best way to Dave. do it is to go with a couple of people that you do know. Yeah. And, and, and play some games there. Most brick and mortar stores, one of the, the nice things that they do is most of them will have a game library on hand that you can basically like take games to a table, try them out. 
and look and at the components, see if it's them, something that you like. Yeah, figure out if it's something that you like, which you can't do on, you know, like a like a Kickstarter or some other type of of online venue. You're buying a game, and like you kind of hope it doesn't. They're guessing, yeah. Um, of course, their game libraries don't compare it to that of the Modana Group's library now with <laughs> over what three thousand titles. Twenty five hundred, but yeah, we're not really yeah. <laughs> you know what I just you know what I just Jesus. remembered uh, when the Batman stuff came in and kickstarted, and I opened up the box and I screamed, "Why the hell are the instructions in French?" <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, there are pitfalls. Did you um? How do you? I mean, you touched on a little bit with like bigger companies going in and starting to do that because it's like, why not? If you can offset cost of development with like cash you have on hand instead of being like, I hope this game sells really well. Like, why wouldn't you yeah. do it? Like, it's going to happen. It, it does take a little bit of the sting out of developers, and they can take more chances and give us more innovation in game. Okay. Did you hear about uh, Shemnu three? That was a pretty big because Shemnu one and two were. Pretty oh yeah. Big oh yeah. Uh, Shemnu, Shemnu three, three had absolutely. a Kickstarter. Um, I know a apparently, lot of people that kickstarted uh, that in particular, like crowdfunded that. So. Mm -hmm. I've, all, I've only crowdfunded get... one video game, and that was Jane Silent Bob's Chronic Blunt Punch. And I think <laughs> I think I uh, crowdfunded it. Uh, it wasn't through Kickstarter; it was like Indiegogo, GoFundMe, or one of those, and. Um, like I got a bunch of extras and stuff with it, and uh, I I don't know how many years it's been since this was gonna come. I, I bought it back when I had a, a home computer, which I don't even <laughs> I don't even have like a home <laughs> desktop anymore um, to play the game on that I ordered four or five years ago. So I, it's just oh, gonna wow. sit on a shelf, I guess. I I don't know. Uh, I don't have a gaming computer, <laughs> but. Um, it's funny that like it was that many years ago, and then like I I just got like a stuffed a stuffed animal of Jay and Silent Bob in the mail out of nowhere, and I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> who I who loves me these. this much, right, Dave? Is that what you said? <laughs> and then then I realized by looking at their clothes and stuff, like like how they were made, like they're the stuffed animals that were one of the add-ons from like four or five years ago. Oh my god. <laughs> What if you had moved? What's that? What if you had moved I, or something? I, dude, I don't know. But I be, I, I looked sure at sure enough, yeah, it was one of the add-ons. Like it's not nearly That's everything, hilarious. but it was like the first thing that came four years later. They probably were like, you know, we've been play paying for storage for these stuffies at this warehouse yeah. for four years. Maybe we should just send them out so we could get them out of here. <laughs> we'll worry about the rest later or something. I don't know. But they're still developing the game. To, uh... So if you follow Jay Silent Bob Chronic Blunt Punch on Twitter, <laughs> you'll see that they're still adding animation and stuff and uh, still developing the game. So It's one man doing it as part-time. Uh, it's a very small group of people, including uh, the guy who played Elias in Clerks 2. He's he's one of the uh, guys. Oh, wow. Okay. What's that? He's, like, coding it? Uh, something with it. Yeah, I mean, he, he has <laughs> something to do with the, the company that's coding it. He went to school first. I, I'm pretty sure it's, like, 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 two dudes, like, in, in what I can only assume is a dorm room that smells like socks. They probably have, imagine, one, they have one computer between the, them and they work in shifts. <laughs> it does. And sweat. 
I've played a lot of games in rooms COD. like that. Uh, yeah. uh. <laughs> I'd be much more inclined to uh, back like a, I would. I don't think if like the Cyberpunk came out, I don't think I'd, I would pre-order it again. But like I wouldn't do a Kickstarter for any major game. But like an indie game that I felt really strongly about, maybe yeah. like in twenty years where they're like they've been doing that a lot recently where it's like we're making a game in the spiritual successor of halo or something like that i'd be like oh i remember playing halo when i was 20 i'll put money for that because it definitely helps a lot of uh like the, the indie guys they can go from literally coding part-time to like they can, okay we can focus on this now we have money from developers or whatever we can actually go full-time into making this game but yeah i would never i don't think i've ever kicked any triple a the homie me and, yeah, me and the boy Brian. I've, I've no definitely, money. I've definitely pre-ordered games, uh, mm-hmm. most of the Halo games uh, for sure, um, especially because you know they come with uh, cool boxes or cool steel boxes or like a, you know Halo Three came with the the uh, Master Chief helmet that you can mm-hmm. sit right. on the shelf. Um, that's main. Like if I'm invested in a series or something, okay, yeah, I'll pre-order. I'll pre-order a game if I know about it. But Agreed. Cyberpunk, I knew nothing about, so I had no interest in pre-ordering about it. You know, I I never played any of the Witcher games, so I'd never, I, I didn't, I didn't hear about Cyberpunk until like I don't know a few weeks before it came out. <laughs> and then Jeremy here bought the game for me digitally, and I downloaded it, and it's super buggy on my Xbox, uh, my Xbox One, and I just it's still on there. I haven't deleted it yet, but you know, stronger I'm, than me. It's, yeah, it's 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 not really playable. But the um, reason I would pre-order a game in the past um, was because either it was a game I was looking forward to, or it was because it came with um, physical things that swag. I swag. It came with yeah. swag. Yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't um, even get yeah, my pre-order bonus for for Cyberpunk. I was supposed to get a samurai uh, necklace or whatever from GameStop. Um, they didn't give it to me. So actually, for me, the big difference is transparency here. Uh, between pre pre-ordering has no transparency. It's like pre-order. It's going to come out on a date, and then you find that the date moved. But in Kickstarter, at least, just like James pointed out, good companies will at least communicate with you and tell you where they are in production. Yeah. Like maybe maybe pre-ordering companies should start doing that. I mean, you could follow dev diaries and all, mm-hmm. but if you're pre-ordering and they know which damn Xbox to send it to or what address mm-hmm. to send it to, they should oh, be able yeah. to send you an email too, That's just true. like Kickstarter does. Well, yeah. right, I didn't find out that it was delayed until I was like, oh yeah, wait, is it February first or second? And then I went on the I... website and it was like. April. April now. I was like, yeah. what the fuck? I will never pre-order something unless I'm getting a physical copy. If I'm pre-ordering something for a digital copy, that's no, not going to There's happen. no reason. Uh, not, no. not unless the in-game bonuses that you get. Like, if you're sure right. about this project and you really want those in-game pre-order bonuses. Right. Like, you know, that. go Are ahead and pre-order. going to make the gameplay better or look better than sure, but not really. I'm... I'm I'm all about the physical. Uh, Personally, uh, I think because biggest... I just don't want to think about it. Like I want to buy it and then just be like, okay, I bought it. And then if it comes out in like a year or whatever, I'm like, oh yeah. And then I just download it. Like it's kind of like fire and forget. Uh, I just want to buy it. And then, so I don't have to think about it later. Yeah. I, I think for me, when I, when I make the decision to, to pre-order a, a video game, it's usually based on a uh, fear of missing out. Right. Like, oh, okay. 
I'm going to miss out on the cool pre-order bonus, or I'm going to miss out on day one playing with everybody, or I'm going to, you know, like, like those are the things that kind of stack up. But when I compare it to the track record for the last year or two with Anthem, Fallout 76, (laughs) Cyberpunk, (laughs) Um, to a certain extent, and I hate to say it in front of you guys, but Avengers. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I'm completely disappointed it, in Avengers. I said that last week. Yeah, I just I, need well, them to do something. It, it has the bones of something beautiful, but it, exactly they, they, they shit all over it by the timeline that they set out. They should have never released it unless they already had those things ready to rip. Um, but that that's the the problem. I, I think like I, I'm going to start peeling well, that back. And I'm going to start waiting for reviews before I make decisions on games. Yeah, and that's and, and I think that's why like I pre-order or I I will kickstart or support projects for tabletop games because I haven't gotten a tabletop game that was just like missing the board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I didn't, I've got I didn't some open that up are the, pretty I didn't shitty, open though. up the I didn't open up the box and they were like take out the minis and I'm like what minis? You know, like I, I, I get a board game and it's it's a complete game. I'm taking exactly. a chance that the game is garbage. The rules but, might suck, but, but all yeah. the components are there. At, at least like with board games, I know that like I'm getting a finished product when oh, I get that board uh, game. Uh, uh, unless unless you order from Space Goat. No. Unless you order from Space Goat. Yeah, yeah, and there are um, other examples, but I, I understand sure. what you're saying. Yeah. You're going to get something 99.999999% right. of the time. That's going to be what you looked at, like to get. And they, they, and they might still be releasing expansions, the, the tabletop version right. of DLC, right? Yeah. So there's probably still expansions and things that are going to come out. But right. at least with the product that I'm getting, it's... A complete game i can play it i don't have to worry about waiting for other stuff to get done after i've bought the game to be able to right. play the game that i've already bought right yeah right uh, like and that's that's an added headache with video games nowadays that has nowadays, just become yeah. so used to the practice of of doing video games like that's that's my daughter um <laughs> I, so, I got my girl scout cookies by the way delish fantastic <laughs> um yeah, so it, that's that's just the commonplace now is that video games are better to be able to like release the video game and get it out within a certain amount of time because God forbid we be made to wait for a complete game and I don't know tell us that it's not complete yet instead of just like what Ray was saying like well we delayed it well we delayed it well we delayed it okay what's going on can I help like how like I, what what do you what do you need do you need some fluffers do you need somebody to like just come in and cheer for the coders what do you what do you want you know it is so, a weird like scenario yeah sorry but I, yeah. I feel like it happened like really recently like even when games uh were able to be patched like online like let's say Call of Duty Modern Warfare the old one um it still came out a complete game on day one they they did balancing passes and things like that which you can only that's do different on that's a multiplayer different. game yeah. yeah that's fine but like. Well, I don't understand why they they get like two or three months of development time extra with uh, the day one patch, but then it's they're banking too much on that two to three months of like getting everything they want done, and then yeah. they don't get it done. Which like, is rather, yeah. like with Halo, is, uh, I'm, I'm yeah, totally and, fine with Halo being delayed a year because I know so like I, all right, maybe they only needed three months, but they have a whole year to make sure like it's good. I don't, I don't. That care. game better come out without needing a day one patch if they delayed it yeah. a year. I'm gonna say oh, that yeah. now. Yeah. So. 
I and, doubt, and, I'll definitely be one. You know, a game a game that I still very much support in in Avengers, like it came out, and day one, you have infrastructure problems. <laughs> That's di- like like there's the framework there's issues. There's issues with your matchmaking? Like, how is that? <laughs> how? Like, just how yeah. did that happen? Did you, you know, not and, play test this at all? <laughs> and, 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 and it's because I, I personally think companies are more worried about getting it out by a certain date. And it's people that don't necessarily play the games. It's people that are worried about getting the money that they need because capitalism. Stocks. So... Yeah. They're more Q4. worried about getting the game out to people to get them to play it. And I think most of the attitude at this point with video games is, well, we can just patch it later. Yeah. yeah. F it. We're doing it live. You, you know it. what I mean? Ah, like, yeah. just, just, put it, just put it out. Get it out to the yep. consumer. They want the game. Let's just get it out. We can fix it in post. Yeah. I, I think you know, what's more worrisome about this is Squaresoft never had an issue with any pre-orders before. Like their games would come out complete. And CD Project Red was the same thing. Both of their reputations were stellar for pre-orders, and both of those decided to shit the bed this Witcher year. 3, this how much of that do you think is because of uh investor pressure? Well, um, it's investor, Squaresoft it's in- might be. I think CD Projekt Red was Square, too. I think Square the, Enix, was as well. yeah, Square Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics, just and and self admittedly grossly mismanaged the release and subsequent first several months of this game coming out. Like they yeah. just they just did not handle things well, and part of it was the global bastard, uh, and they've they've recognized that. But you know, just delay the game. Like it it doesn't like. I get that people are going to be upset if you delay the game. You know what makes them more upset? Let's talk to yeah. CD Projekt Red for a minute. <laughs> right? Yeah. And talk about what makes people way more upset than having the game delayed. Yep. Exactly. Which wasn't quite unplayable to that extent. It definitely came out rough. Uh, there's a famous, like, or a roach. Like, kind of like you summon your car in Cyberpunk and it, like, goes through a wall. Roach would, like, pop up on top of a house. Or just like float on a tree or whatever. That's that's so unplayable it's, it's to me. Remembered fondly in retrospect because like the DLC was so good and they did end up patching it. Obviously, it, it wasn't quite as broken. It's still as unplayable Cyberpunk, to but. me because I'll the last time I played it, it crashed. It crashed. Which are three? Xbox. It crashed multiple times for me too. Yeah. So Cyber- that is Witcher unplayable. Cyberpunk. What? Oh, sorry. I was talking about Witcher three. How it started out pretty like slightly oh. choppy. But like oh, it, it definitely, it's remembered finally because of the uh, superb I story your DLC logic, and fixes. Brian, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, no cyberpunk. Yeah, um, uh, and then I they probably Brian also, like Brian's not gonna. Brian, if they deal, if they had paid DLC, I doubt Brian would be interested. I doubt no. he's gonna be interested in the next CD Project game unless he, it gets stellar reviews on release. So I've that's never a customer before, they before cyberpunk. I don't know that I've played one. Do you have any interest in playing Witcher Three now after playing their other game? I mean, it's obviously not the same, but would you play Witcher 3 based on your experience with Cyberpunk? I don't think I mean, I'd play video games based on my experience with Cyberpunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like, they, they could have taken longer, and then well, I, I don't mean, think anybody would be truly mad enough to cancel the They've had more because... time to work on that than they have with Cyberpunk. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, it's a different I mean, style game, too. Uh, like, it's more... But uh, based on my experience with Cyberpunk, I'd, pro- I'd probably say no. I, I probably wouldn't even be interested in any um, games that they have. Reputation. Uh, uh, that, that's fair. Uh, 
I, you're wrong. <laughs> but, I know, but it's fair. And, uh, and, and and but I I understand completely why you feel that way. Jeremy told me to stay away from any of the CD Projekt Red games before playing Cyberpunk because he wanted my unbiased opinion on the game. This is good. This is right. a good test. This is a litmus test. Right, and yeah. then which is uh, which is what now my my opinion is based on one game. Well, I, I think your opinion matches our opinion of Cyberpunk. <laughs> we're just more disappointed because we knew we were familiar with what could have been. Yeah. What what the pinnacle of that studio's abilities are, and that's that's where Witcher Three ended up at the end of it. We did uh, we did go a little bit over time because we had such a good conversation. I just couldn't stop the flow which is great we might i might do something with this i don't know there's a lot here that you're gonna cut it down yeah. get just rid of. cut cut down everything that i said to nothing and you should be fine all right guys well thank you james for joining us um thanks it's for very having me, nice everybody. to have your expert opinion um to add some you know just knowledge and levity to our little gaggle of idiots <laughs> do what um, i can uh james you part of the bodana group so I'll yes. put that in the link if you uh, if anybody who's listening wants to check that out. Super cool. Thank you. Um, Discord's in the link. You can follow us on Instagram on Invite to Party Cast. I'll get it right one of these days. I'll look it up. I'll have a little sticky note. Invite next the party. Week. What did I tell you? I'm Invite telling party you make podcast. a sticky note and put it there. Damn it! <laughs> my we, my we only sticky note right that. now says mic stand question <laughs> mark. So what, what, I'm, I'm getting what? There. What we need mic know. stands? This is no, good I do for apparently. You? Oh, and make chroma key? Question mark. I don't know what it huh? means. It's from months ago. Uh, I, just I know what a chroma there. key is because you're trying but, to manipulate uh, my green screen, right? Hell yeah, hell yeah. But uh, yeah, so invite to party podcast is the Instagram. I'll also, also put the link the, in the description. The link to the Discord in the uh, anchor page it hasn't updated. It still goes to the the locked channel that nobody can. You're updated. I'll update it again. Uh, yeah. after this. I'll do it right after this. Let me, I'm going to finish close around. Um, but yeah, uh, so we're available on all platforms. Tell your friends. Uh, best way to do it uh, to make us more famous so I can quit my day job uh, and do this full time because I'm super good at it is. Uh, <laughs> Damn, Dave. <laughs> wow. Uh, tell your friends so they can listen to and uh, make fun of me as well, uh, my family and. Pets. It's a really tough look when you say that you're good at something and all of your friends simultaneously start laughing uproariously <laughs> when you say it. That's that's not. That's because uh, you can't get hurt. through the ending. That's it doesn't tough. hurt too much. But he yeah. does this every time. He just, I just get out the ending. I just, James, I, I would just like don't to say thank goodbye you to you guys. It's nice to see your face, man. I haven't yeah. Yeah. seen you in a long time. Yeah. You too, Brian. Thank you. <laughs> I guess. I suppose. <laughs> one, one day we'll meet in person. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. So yeah, tell your friends, listen to the podcast. We have like a topic about everything. There's topics for everybody. So pick one, show it to them. You know, wrestling. Why don't you this one? Why don't you mention what the uh, next episode is going to be about? No. <laughs> no. Uh, next week we are going to be having another guest. Actually, we got two in a row lined up for you guys. All uh, right. We are going to be talking about cosplay, and we have going to be coming on to talk about her experience with cosplay because we are just a testosterone boisterous band of boys what uh uh and we just need a female perspective (laughs) sorry
cosplays next week. I'll I'll bleep the name out. It'll be a mystery. Mystery guest. Jeremy, do you want me to do the outro from now on? I can have a no. script. You see, look at James. No, 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 He's no, no, like, no. Ray's going to lose his look, shit look, second I will, You right? <laughs> I do it in post. I do it. I'm like a day one patch. I do it in post. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, to be yeah. fair, it does usually sound pretty coherent. That's right. For every time I chop his legs out from underneath him, I also pick him back up. You know what I'm saying? Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, listeners, for coming to the party. Thanks, guys. Bye. Later, yo. Peace.